What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And forewarning, this is a trigger warning. This episode, we are going to be talking about personal experiences with sexual violence. We have the lovely Emma with us today. Um, Emma, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. My name's Emma. Um, I'm 20 years old. I live in Toronto. um, And I'm about to go into York for psychology. That's amazing. And Emma, maybe do you want to set up the situation, kind of how you found the podcast, why you were interested in coming, and maybe like a little bit for the like listeners, like how we know each other? So I do know Felicia from elementary school. We both went to Our Lady of Peace. <laughs> she was a year older than me. Um, and, but yeah, I, I remember I always followed her on Instagram and I came across the, her account and I went through all the podcasts because they seemed so interesting. And I thought to myself, maybe one day when I have the, uh, when I have the balls, I can maybe go on the show. <laughs> Um, and I finally did. I feel um, a little bit better about what happened to me. And I just really want to share my story. Um, just hopefully that this could help anyone who is suffering from sexual assault or sexual violence. And yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So Emma and I spoke briefly on Instagram, I think, like in the summer of 2020 2020 yeah yeah and so I guess Emma do you want to talk about like or maybe brief your most recent experience and like how did you previously understand sexual assault and rape culture before you experienced your own assault yeah so I for sure like before what happened to me um I definitely remember just like, you know, seeing on TV shows or movies like sexual assault and rape. And, you know, I always thought like that's the most like horrific thing. But, you know, like if that would happen to me, you know, I'd scream or cry and I'd push them off and I'd make them stop me. Like, you know, for me, for some reason, I always thought that I could be the person that would like make sure it didn't happen. Um, however, for my incident, um, I didn't really get the chance to do that. Um, as I always thought, you know, maybe it would happen with a stranger. So I would know how to fight them off or something, but you know, you never really think about it, that it could be your friends, um, especially ones that you've known for years, um, and that you trusted, um, you thought they were good guys and they just show you your true colors. Um, so yeah. And I've, so my experience was basically, um, a very messy story. Um, so trigger warning, if anyone who has dealt with this, they can stop listening. That's totally okay. Um, but basically my story was this past summer, I was invited to go to a cottage with a bunch of my guy friends um, and my boyfriend. Um, So there were supposed to be some girls who were coming, but they ended up not coming last minute. Um, And that was fine because I was always seen as 
one of the boys uh, to all the guys and it was always fine. You know, we always joked about stuff and I, I was basically one of the guys and I was taken. I knew none of them would do anything. So I felt very comfortable in this, uh, in the situation that I was in. Um, so the first night that we were there, I, we were drinking, you know, everyone drank a lot especially my boyfriend who the boys, you know, encouraged my boyfriend to drink a little bit way too much. Um, and he ended up like falling asleep. And um, so basically, uh, for me, I was not only just drinking, but I was under the influence of some marijuana as well. By some, I mean, quite a lot. <laughs> and I was not uh I was very drunk and high. Let's just put it that way. Um, and unfortunately, like later on in the night, uh, one of my friends um, asked me to go for a cigarette, um, but his cigarettes were his were in his room. So we went into his room um, and right away I saw the bed and I like just fell in the bed and like started sleeping. Um, so next thing I know, uh, like from I was starting to pass out and the one thing I like the only like thing I definitely remember from it because it's definitely spotty when I try to think about it but I remember him pulling my pants down and yeah I think it's kind of self-explanatory what happened um it didn't last very long but it felt like it was an hour and I kind of just like zombie walked like after to my room and I just fell asleep. And the next day I woke up and everything just seemed so like, you know, he didn't say anything about it. And basically I thought it was a dream because I really couldn't like process anything that happened that night, even though I knew in the back of my mind what had happened. And, like I couldn't accept it because this guy was actually one of my best guy friends and you know it was it was so strange to me that that could have happened so my like the best like rational explanation was that it was a dream so I went on for the next day and then at night something else happened um sorry I like to laugh to like make myself feel bad uh, so then in that um at night again, my boyfriend uh, had drank a lot and he had fallen asleep beside me um, and we were watching a movie um, and my boyfriend had his legs over me and I was kind of just, you know, like he was asleep and I was like, my eyes were closed. I was passing out. Um, and like all of a sudden, I remember like someone starting to go down my pants and fingering me. Um, and for some reason, like my eyes were closed. So I just kind of assumed it was my boyfriend because he was right beside me. Um, so I just, you know, like I, it felt weird. I like didn't know what to do. And then I heard a whisper in my ear. Um, I'll never like be able to get this voice out of my head. Uh, but I just remember him whispering, um, are you going to do something? You're giving me blue balls. So 
I pushed him off. I like opened my eyes and I pushed him like right off me. Um, and like kind of just in shock, I just like fell asleep onto my boyfriend. I just like held him like for the rest of the night, like so closely, like you can't even imagine. Um, and I woke up the next morning and, you know, like we ended up going home the next day. And I like was just, you know, all the guys were knew something was wrong with me. They were calling me a bitch. And like, why am I like being such a bitch to them and not talking to them? And I just like, I was processing so much, like at the same time. And I wanted to tell my boyfriend, but I was so scared to tell him and that he would try and fight one of them. And then it would just be all of them against him. Um, and I really like just didn't want that to happen. So I waited until I got home. I told my boyfriend um, and it was very hard. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the end of that, the actual thing. Um, and then I, uh, I, I ended up uh, talking to the police. I called the police. Um, but at the time, I still did not process the first one as what it had what had happened. So I kind of just only went to the cops about the second situation. Um, and basically, it was it was a really hard experience, I would say, with the cops. <laughs> it was probably the hardest thing I ever had to do, especially as there were two guy cops. Um and I was alone I didn't I chose to do it at like one in the morning while no one was awake and because I just I didn't like my parents still didn't know at the time um and I was even at, I wasn't even at home I was at my boyfriend's house um and yeah I ended up telling them but the problem was like it's not just telling like the story like it's at, like you have to tell every single little detail that you remember and it's like you tell one detail and then you stop you tell another detail you stop and it's like it like it, it take like it hurts your heart like just to like keep talking to them and especially the fact that like for some reason like because there are two cops you know they seemed so judgmental the whole time you know they asked me how much I had to drink they asked me you know like did you have any prior, prior, like prior experience with the, like not experience, uh, like relations with these guys? Like, what were you wearing? Um, they asked you what you were wearing in 2020. Yeah. That, that one, I was like, I, I, I was in sweatpants and, you know, they, they looked shocked actually when I said that. Um, but, you know, like just, they didn't even have to say anything like that, like seemed like they were judging me, but it just seemed so like, it, it was just, you know, when I asked them, like, can I have a girl cop? And they were like, no, we, there's no, there's none on, um, there's none working today or something. And I was like, it's just my luck. <laughs> like I, so yeah, that was the experience with, uh, the guy cops. Um, and then the one nice thing that came out of talking to the cops was I, um, I, I got a detective and she was like absolutely amazing. She was so kind and understanding. And, you know, she like what she didn't like, 
she didn't just like want to know what what happened but like how I was doing and what am I gonna do and she walked me through you know all the processes and asked me if I'm eating asked me if I'm sleeping like she she was like a really like crazy support in like my journey of like to recovery um unfortunately though I kind of lost my mind um because she kind of explained to me how hard it was um that to get justice basically um and that it wasn't just gonna be like an easy like road ahead and I thought how like unfair that was um and she even told me that the first guy already hired a lawyer um which seemed she said like that seemed very uh suspicious <laughs> um and yeah so I kind of went I was just losing my mind I didn't I stopped sleeping because it scared me to fall asleep at night I didn't want to eat anything I was just smoking cigarettes like just constantly every day like I threw stuff on the ground I decorated my, like I threw paint at my tree house and like with a bunch of different paints it was a whole experience um and then I left home because my parents didn't understand what I was going through I was living in hotels um with like my boyfriend and my friends and then one morning I I was um singing like at the top of my lungs at like 8 a.m um and uh, I, the cops got called on me cause I was, it was a noise complaint or something. And I got sent to the hospital. Uh, and I had a manic episode. So, and then from that, they kind of just right at the hospital because I was experiencing the manic episode. Um, I was then diagnosed with bipolar, um, so that was like an even add on to more <laughs> stress, like because even like during the hospital, it's not like they were worried about the traumatic experience that I had, even though I was trying to tell them all they cared about was take these medications. You know, you're not right in the head like they tried to sedate me a bunch of times because they weren't listening to me. And I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to have help like to deal with what just happened to me and no one would even like acknowledge that I just went through a rape and a sexual assault no one wanted to talk to me about that um and yeah I spent two weeks there um and I finally got out um and then I just went on to my road to recovery <laughs> yeah well I just want to start off by saying like none of this was your fault in any shape or form or capacity. And I really, really hope you're in a place where you understand that, or at least you're learning to understand that and that I believe you. And I don't think that your experience was just in any capacity, but what happened to you is actually one of the largest statistics uh, in relation to sexual assault, you're more likely to be assaulted by somebody you know than somebody you don't know. Um, and I really, really want to acknowledge because I think this is something that we're all learning, especially femme identifying and people who are just like women. 
Um, a lot of the rhetoric you were explaining earlier about kind of like, I'm trying to think about kind of your understanding of like what you would have done in that situation. Like you would have, you know, pushed them off or you would have screamed at them or you would have been able to protect yourself. It's this bullshit victim blaming narrative that men have created to make women feel bad about themselves for the things that they've done to us. Because remember, let's not forget like 90% of perpetrators are male identifying. Um, And it's, it's so hard to unlearn. So just like by sharing your story, it's like one step in the right direction. And it's also just like another place for people to feel less alone. Um, They really do a good job of like backing you into a corner. And they, I mean, like the patriarchy and our society and everything in it, the police, the, the perpetrators, you know, the way people react and like, even the way we react to mental health crises, like it's so like unjust. Um, and it's so, it's so like shameful. Like everything is just like rooted in shame. You're sick. You're this, you're that. What were you wearing? Like nobody ever looks outside of the victim, which is super, super annoying. And even just like changing our language too from victim to survivor, which I think is really, really what I want to kind of get into with this episode. Um, Because you were really, really open about your mental health kind of crisis after the situation, which was definitely a reaction to trauma. um, How, like, do you think that that maybe could have potentially in turn helped you to your road to recovery? Or do you think it just like debilitated you further? You know, I, I would like to say at the time, it definitely made me feel like 10 times worse. Because especially when I was hospitalized, it made me feel like I'm the one being locked up when I'm the victim. And the two boys who did that to me are just running their lives freely. Um, so that's, that's like something that made me very angry. And another thing was that, you know, like, um, bipolar is in my family. Um, so that what they were, what I've been explained recently is that it was a, like stressful events actually trigger, will trigger that because of your predisposition, predisposition, predisposition. Um, you got it. Yeah to having it so basically in my like I know that I don't know so basically like at the time it made me so mad because basically what they did to me caused me to have a mental disorder now I see it as you know if it was in my genetics there's a chance I would have gotten it anyways and I can't see it as you know like at the time, I was so angry. I didn't want to be labeled bipolar. Like I didn't, because all I've seen, like when you think of bipolar, you think of someone who's crazy, right? You think of someone who has mood swings and who, you know, is super depressed and then super 
like energetic but for me like I hated having that label like and that was like the hardest part for me to accept but now I've like kind of went around the route that you know like my mental illness does not define me um I do so I'm not gonna let the fact that I am bipolar like ruin my life because you know it's something that I have it's like having a broken bone but you can't see it and you know I'm taking medication I'm taking care of my mental health I'm exercising and I already feel like so much better I think that that's awesome and thank you for being super open about that I think honestly with bipolar disorder too there's a lot of uh really like fearful and just like misrepresentations of what it means to be bipolar like in the media um yeah I think people feel like it's more like a personality disorder or like multiple personalities whereas it's like it's just long-term like periods of high states of different emotions so like for two weeks you're really happy two weeks you're really sad two weeks you're like really moody like I I think the periods are probably longer granted I'm not a psychologist but yeah they are they say like it should be like around like six like it can be six months like you're happy or like you're really up there like you're high you're manic and then you have like six months of like depressed depression so yeah so ultimately it's like a strain of depression but I think people feel like really really freaked out when they hear the word bipolar yeah um but what advice would you give to people who like have potentially gone through something like you and like what tools and techniques kind of helped you through this process um well I definitely would say like my my number one thing um, would definitely be like, don't keep it in. Um, Because I remember like, the first couple of nights where I didn't actually know it was only two nights, the first two nights, I didn't tell anyone. And I was just in my head. And I was just thinking and remembering and it was like, it was probably the hardest time I've ever gone through. I even I've never felt suicidal in my life. And at that point, I did. Um, which was very scary for me because I like, I've always been a happy person and I've never felt like that in my life. I was blaming myself. I thought it was my fault. You know, I thought, you know, maybe I did something to make them think I wanted it. You know, there was so much going on in my head, but it wasn't anything like productive. It wasn't anything like nice. I was just overthinking absolutely everything and just literally like, you know, just like drowning in like all the pain. And it was very scary. And it wasn't until I talked to one person, and then it led me to talk to another person, and then another person, and then my family, you know. And for me, I found like, the more I would tell people, the easier it would be for me. And just in that sense of telling people, like, just letting it out, like, the more comfortable you would be. And in my own experience, um, I actually posted my whole story on social media, which (laughs) I would say like had some positives and negatives. 
I definitely got some really bad uh, backlash where I was told that I should be the one to rot in jail. Um, yeah, but you know, I was told that I was the, I just cheated on my boyfriend. This is just an excuse, blah, 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 whatever. Honestly, I saw those, unfollow those guys, block them, whatever. Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry if I swore. Um, no, it's a podcast <laughs> about sex. There's no censorship okay. here. Don't worry. Okay. Um, so yeah, but the one nice thing I would say that came out of it was to see how many people messaged me and not only just such kind messages, Felicia was one of them and was so nice and gave me some really nice advice. Um, but also like just people actually sharing their own stories. And it was like absolutely insane for me to see how many people I knew like went through a similar experience that I had like have had no idea whether it was something that was like close to it similar different like just like it was insane and like it showed me a whole different perspective that like it was so nice to hear someone share their story and be able to sympathize and empathize and you know be there together and show that you know you're not alone because feeling alone in this I would say is probably the worst part um and yeah so I'm not saying my advice is not to post on social media because sometimes, you know, it wasn't the best decision. I posted some not good things, but it wasn't the best uh, mentally. But my advice is anyone you feel comfortable with, tell, don't go through this alone because it's not easy and it doesn't make you a weak person that you can't go through this alone. And also, my other advice is don't be afraid to get help because for me, I found so many people telling me, go get help, go get help, go get help. And the more people said it to me, the more crazy I felt and the more, you know, I'm fine. I can do this by myself. I don't need help. I'm good, you know, but it wasn't until I was hospitalized. I was actually basically forced into help because that's how stubborn I am. But I found that being in the hospital helped me like see that the help was needed um and it definitely just you know it put me into the right direction of where I needed to go and again you're just I know sometimes people are you know you feel you feel like you're too strong of a person to get help but help does not mean you're weak it means that you're smart and you want to get better no, absolutely. I completely agree with all that. And I think too, like sexual assault survivors, it, it, there's no linear path to healing and to coping. Um, and trauma manifests in very different ways in very different people. So I really, yeah. really think your advice is really helpful and people can apply it when they feel best fit, um, which I think is kind of the beautiful thing about like, trauma-enforced healing and just like letting survivors make the decisions for themselves because essentially it was your autonomy taken away from you and in your process and in your journey and granted you can't fix your mental health unless you actually want to mm. um so nobody can force you to do that even if you are hospitalized but um really just taking the agency back into your life um, I think really, really, 
is something that I've commonly heard in survivors, which I think is really, really helpful. And I think it's something that a lot of us forget that we have, um, especially as women. Mm-hmm. But I, you kind of did touch on this, but why do you feel like it's so important for people to share their experiences of sexual violence? Because I know that's something you're passionate about and you were pretty open about. Yeah, I think, you know what, like, I think it's important because um, it kind of, like, you feel a sense of, like, community, like, just, like, even if it's with one person. And I find, like, when I told people, even though it was on social media, there were so many people giving me their own, like, little advice about what to do. Which was so cool because, you know, at that time, I didn't know how to sleep. I didn't know how to eat, you know, like there were so many things like I was so traumatized, like I didn't want to do anything but like smoke cigarettes. And, you know, someone, um, someone actually gave me the advice, you know, fall asleep to like a nice podcast, you know, someone talking so you're not in the silence. And it actually, it got got me to sleep, like only for four hours, but it got me to sleep. So it helped. So like, just, you know, and I'm not saying if you go through this, you have to tell everyone, you know, because, you know, that's not, you know, you don't have to, but any, like anyone can give you, like talking to someone can give you advice that maybe you didn't know about in your head. You know, if you just keep it inside your head and if I just went my way and I just didn't eat, didn't sleep, smoke cigarettes, I probably would have been very sick. Um, But it was the people that I talked to and the people that helped me um, really realize that, you know, I couldn't live my life like this and I couldn't let what like what these guys had done to me define my life. And I like again as much as like it's crazy to be like known as a survivor like this is just a part of my life but it doesn't make me who I am absolutely um I think as you kind of grow older you kind of realize how complex humans are um I think when you grow up you like think that everything is one thing and you have maybe a few defining moments in your life but like really every year especially 2020 had an array of defining moments for everyone globally so yeah I think I think this experience in your story is definitely going to help a lot of people but I think it's also going to shed light on something that's so (laughs) unfortunately relatable um and so applicable to so many people um and just show how like how many moving parts kind of go about when situations like this are happening and I I really applaud you for your honesty about your mental health um episode and your journey now um because that's something that a lot of people don't really discuss and I don't think a lot of people have that insight yet um so I really really think you're doing really great um and you're so young you're so 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 young and I'm so sorry that this happened to you when you were so young but I think that if you know this much now like 
I can't even imagine what you're going to know in 20 years, which is really exciting. Oh. So I really, really applaud you for all your courage and bravery, because this isn't something that's easy to talk about. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful that you felt comfortable talking to me about it. Um, of course. <laughs> yeah, but for people who are like maybe just kind of wrapping their brain around everything, do you want to provide folks with some like resources that you found super helpful um, when you were healing or like really right after uh, your episode or like any sort of trauma that you just found like really, really helpful? So I think a great place to go, like even if it's if it's right after your sexual assault or, you know, like for me, it was after I came out of the hospital. It's Women's College Hospital. Um, the like because the like for me the most like terrifying thing to do was get like the STD testing and to make sure that you know I was clean and everything. Um, and I I hated it so much that I had to go do it, but I knew, you know, I I wanted to know. Um, and so I went to Women's College Hospital um, and they made the whole experience like 10 times better. Like, you know, the the nurse that did it for me, she was absolutely like the kindest person on the earth. Like there was one thing I really didn't want to do. And she was like, that's totally OK. You know, she asked me if this was OK and if if I wanted to do this and are you OK? And she asked me how I was doing and. You know, like, I just thought, like, it was, like, I felt so much better, even though I was, like, terrified going in. Like, she made me feel so comfortable. Um, so I definitely think, like, if, like, if you need to do that, that is the best place to go. And also a really awesome thing that um, I got in touch with from going was signing up for trauma therapy. Um there and actually it's it's online now because of COVID and everything but and there is a wait list unfortunately but I finally gotten off the wait list um and it is so amazing like it is completely different than any other therapy like because I've been in therapy but this it's it's so focused on like your trauma it's not talking about anything else like it's literally just you know, you dead on just the trauma and, you know, she breaks it down for you. And like, she finds so many like ways to help you cope. And like, I'm, I'm doing, I'm about to do EMDR therapy, like I, I movement therapy and like, you know, it's, it's very terrifying, but also like there, there has been like such good statistics that it helps you basically like it trains your mind to think differently of how you've experienced an event. Um, and I think that's awesome. Um, so yeah, if you, if you really need help, like that trauma therapy will help you like so much, I, so much take, take my word for it. <laughs> I, yeah think that that's great I'm always an advocate for any sort of therapy so I definitely think in this situation that's the way to go um but I just wanted to thank you again Emma for coming on the podcast and taking the time with me and being super super vulnerable no problem thank you for having me 
You're, You're so, so welcome. No, <laughs> thank you for coming on and sharing your story. I really think that this is going to be really emotional for a lot of people, but really helpful for many as well. I really do. I hope if anyone is going through any of that and they do want someone to talk to, um, maybe Felicia will put my Instagram down. I'm always willing to talk and I promise um I can maybe even if I help you a little bit, I'm not scary. (laughs) Well, if you want people to reach out to you, where can they go? Where can they find you? Um, So my Instagram is emma.pelegi. Pelegi is P-I-L-E-G-G-I. And yeah, just shoot me a DM and I will 100% message you. I love everyone (laughs) who talks to me. All right. (laughs) Well, Emma, I just wanted to thank you again for coming on the podcast. Uh, I know this was a really challenging conversation. um, And I'm really looking forward to people hearing it and giving us feedback. If you want to listen to more episodes like this, make sure to tune in and subscribe to the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram at Ladies Let's Talk About Sex for more information about upcoming events, workshops, seminars, and new episodes every Monday. Thanks for listening.